Welcome to Mox on the Mic, your exclusive look into all things Chattanooga athletics. Here's your host, Chris Goforth. Welcome in to Mox on the Mic. Chris Goforth with you this week, and uh, have we got a special episode of Mox on the Mic for you this week as it's homecoming here at Chattanooga, and it gave us the opportunity to be able to sit down with the only former mock in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's right, T.O., Terrell Owens, he's our guest this week on Mox on the Mic. So, look, let's just get into it. We talked about his time here at Chattanooga. Uh, We talk a lot about his career in the NFL, and we talk a bit about what may be next for the uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer, the six-time Pro Bowl, five-time All-Pro, and uh, number two in receiving touchdowns in NFL history. Here's our conversation with Terrell Owens. The story that Buddy Nix told me, is that him and an assistant came to a high school football game not to see you, but to see one of your teammates. He says they get back in the car afterwards, and the assistant coach says, well, what do you think? And Coach Nick said, well, that that kid's pretty good, but that Owens kid's going to play in the NFL one day. What is the story from your side? How did you get to Chattanooga? Uh, That's the first I've heard of that story. Um, But essentially... um, I would say some of that story is correct. Uh, they went, uh, they came down to uh, Benjamin Russell High School um, in my hometown of Alexander City, Alabama to, uh, I guess, uh, recruit Derek Hall, uh, who was the starting receiver on our uh, high school time. And then I think shortly after that, I think uh, they sent, I don't know if it was another recruit, uh, recruiter that came in. Um, Bobby Jones, uh, who I think he may have been the linebackers coach or something here. Um, they went back and uh, they were watching film or tape or whatever the case, case may be. And it may have been the assistant um, that Buddy Nix was speaking of. Um, and all I heard from the stories that, you know, they saw Derek, um, they saw me um, reviewing, uh, reviewing some of the film, and uh, they saw me make a few plays here and there and, you know, my understanding is that, you know, obviously I got here on the heels of Derek Hall. Did you play defense in high school? Did you play both ways? I did not. Didn't play anything. Uh, I played on junior varsity. I played tight end. Um, and then I think when I got to, uh, you know, obviously varsity uh, is where I kind of basically transitioned into playing receiver. You remember the first time you came to this campus? Uh I do. Uh, I rode with Derek and I think his parents. Uh, I know we got in a van or something and drove up late night or what have you. We got here um, and I had no idea where I was going. I knew I was going to a college campus, but I didn't know much about you know Chattanooga. Um, you know, to be quite honest, I thought I was going to UT Knoxville. I don't know why, but that that was what I was thinking. Um, again, honestly, I had no idea that I had the ability to uh, number one, you know, play collegiate football. Um, I played all the sports in high school. I played outside of football. I played basketball. I ran track and I played baseball. And um, you know, like I said, I got a scholarship to play play football and come here to Chattanooga. Um, you know, that was a means of, and a way of getting an education um, and also play football at the same time. So I never thought uh, in a million years that, you know, obviously me coming to Chattanooga would lead, you know, 
lead to the National Football League. When did you realize, at what point did you realize, you know, I can, I can do this, and I can do it at a high level? Um, probably, I would say, my, after my third year in the National Football League. <laughs> um, to be quite honest, I, again, I, I got drafted, um, but um, that was, again, me being kind of just, I guess, oblivious to what I was, you know, embarking upon. Um, you know, being drafted and then my rookie year, um, I just felt like, you know, I thought that, you know, being drafted, you know, I was, had a three-year contract. I thought I was on the team for three years. And then as training camp unfolded and I started seeing, you know, teammates and people that were signed get cut left and right. So I thought, oh my gosh, I'm next. <laughs> and so uh, obviously I, 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 was, I was there uh, playing with the, the greatest receiver of all time. Uh, and Jerry Rice, and they, they had just uh, uh, signed J.J. Stokes from UCLA the year before. Um, so I saw, you know, the mold in which uh, the evaluation of what they were trying to do, and I fit the mold and the build of the receivers um, at that time and for, for the San Francisco 49ers. So I fit that mold. Uh, but going through training camp, like I said, I was really raw green. Um, playing here at UT Chattanooga, we didn't play. Um, any, you know, a lot of power five uh, type of talent. So I was, I was raw green around all the edges. And so uh, it, it took training camp and, you know, really kind of like a full three years for me to really bloom and blossom uh, into the receiver um, that I felt like I could be. And if it, wouldn't, if it wasn't for uh, our receiver coach, Larry Kirksey, uh, my first few years, and then after that, um, George Stewart, uh, who became my receiver coach. If it wasn't really for those guys to uh, help groom and, um, you know, again, make me to the receiver that I, that I became, I don't know, if, you know, what I would have done. Take me back to your freshman year here. I know you played some. Did you travel with the team that year? Uh, no, sir, I did not. I, I played uh, freshman year. I was on scout team. I was pretty much... Uh, Running, uh, you know, doing the scout team, doing the cards uh, for the number one defense every week, the opposing opponents, the, the opposing team. So we basically ran the offense, you know, uh, just to give our defense a look. And so that was ideally, you know, what I did. I mean, if I wasn't a four or five star athlete, I wasn't an All American or anything coming out of high school. And you know, Derek was 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 that, um, and that's why he got to play, you know. Uh, most of his freshman year. I mean, if Coach Nick saw that, you know, you know considered you to be a four or five star athlete, then you kind of had the opportunity to really play right away. Um, I didn't get that opportunity um, for obvious reasons. Um, I just wasn't that good. <laughs> um, good enough to get here, but obviously not good enough to get on the field at that time. So uh, I just practiced every day, um, didn't, didn't get to travel. Um, and then running the cards every day, giving the, giving the, the defense a, a look on scout team. I think that's where I, I got better um, at catching the ball, running routes, uh, things of that nature. And I, I, I gave our defense uh, fits because, you know, they couldn't stop me, you know, uh, running, the, running the scout team. And I think the defensive coordinator, uh, coordinator the defensive back coach, and some of the defensive players, you know, uh, they were like, man, this guy's catching everything. Like, this guy should be playing on, on Saturdays. And I didn't get my opportunity to play till towards the end of the season. And I, I think re I remember the, the first time I got to travel, got to play. Um, I caught a uh, caught a ball in the seam. Guy hit me under my shoulder pads, broke my collarbone, and then I was out for the rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the season, which wasn't but a couple of games left. 
Let's go to your sophomore year. One game in particular, and you probably know where I'm going. October 2nd, 1993. You know the date. Yeah, I do. Marshall. Yep. yep. Number one team in the country. Yes, sir. What do you remember? Um, I knew they had a, a stellar uh, running back, uh, Chris Parker. Um, I knew he was a, a, a big name coming in here, and obviously, like you said, uh, number one, I think they were the defending champions uh, uh, coming into our place, and so that was, my, like I said, my first opportunity to, to play. Uh, I remember it, it couldn't have been a, a more perfect uh, football night. I think everything kind of, it was just a perfect football night. I mean, obviously, going into October, that's football season, and uh, we were under the lights at Chamberlain Field, and um, you know, I caught one touchdown in the corner, and then I caught another, <laughs> another touchdown down the seam, and, uh, and then another one, and then uh, they were up, I think, uh, third quarter or fourth quarter somewhere in there, and then I ended up catching another one, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you know, those were all the touchdowns. We beat them 33-31, and I realized I had, you know, I had caught all the, all the touchdowns to, to help us win the game, and um, yeah, that was that was a moment. I think uh, I'll never forget. You know, what I mean, that was probably the most touchdowns I had. I don't think I had four touchdowns in high school. Yeah. You know, so uh, that was that was the most uh, probably memorable moment um, that I had football wise here. Looking back on it now, was that was that kind of your coming out party, so to speak? That because everybody in town, you guys were the talk of the town after right. that happened. Well, I don't know if it was my coming out party, but I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, probably like, well, who is this kid right here? You know, was he, where was he at last year or what have you? And so for me, it was uh, just something to build upon. Uh, I remember the, the following week, uh, we were going down to uh, Scrappy Mo, we were going to practice and, uh, um, you know, I was excited about the opportunity uh, that I had had, you know, to obviously to score four touchdowns. And so I was excited about going to the next practice and, and a lot of the guys we were, you know, Walking down to uh, to the field, and uh, I think Tom, uh, was it Tommy West? He was our coach at that time, and uh, uh, he kind of overheard some of the guys and uh, us talking about the game. And he basically heard overheard us, and he was like, "Man, you think you've done something because you scored four touchdowns?" He said, "You ain't done nothing." <laughs> and so for me, I, that was uh, you know, I, I took that. I didn't take it in a bad way, uh, but it was a humbling experience. And and for me, I just like, okay, I got I got more work to do. Um, so. You know, for somebody that had never scored, you know, you know, a couple of touchdowns in high school and scored four in one game in, in college, you know, I was on cloud nine. Um, but I understood, like I said, him coming from Clemson, um, he had seen it before. And so um, that was just one of my moments uh, for me that I'll, I'll always remember. And, you know, it was something that stuck with me. And uh, I didn't think bad of him, but I just, for me, I just kind of just uh, collected those, uh, those remarks. And I was like, okay, I, I need to get better. And every year I just tried to get as, be better, uh, as best as I could. I tried to get better and better. That stretch, you had, I think I'm right, three head coaches in a span of about 19 months. Does that sound about right? Yeah, uh, three, three coaches in four years, Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, um, when you're a teenager, you don't really think about those things. Um, you know, like I said, after the freshman, my freshman year, um, you know, Buddy Nix got fired, and then Tommy West came in, and um, I don't know if he got fired, but I think he got another job yeah, opportunity, left. and he left, and then um, then here comes uh, uh, I think it's Buddy Green, mm -hmm. um, and there, you know, I think he he he, he stood uh, to be the head coach the last, my last two years, and uh, you know, again, 
another coach um, and another opportunity. So I just, you know, over the summers, um, I, I really didn't travel home uh, much. You know, we didn't have a car to get back and forth. It was like three hours to Alabama. So, um, and my mom didn't have uh, transportation to just, you know, keep going back and forth. And uh, so I just stayed here on campus during the off season, uh, was for the summers. And uh, I asked the coach if I could get the key to the weight room. And, you know, that's how I kept myself kind of, you know, tried to get bigger, faster, and stronger to just to get myself on par uh, with my teammates. Uh, I remember, the, you know, obviously the first time I, you asked that question earlier, I just remember our first time coming in and uh, us doing uh, a shuttle drill. We did all the drills to kind of evaluate, you know, our speed, this and that and the other. Um, it was right across the street where the arc is now. That used to be where the band used to play. And so mm -hmm. it was just an open field soccer. And uh, I remember the, the, the mornings, you know, just being tested. And I was like, man, everybody's so fast. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I was like, man, you know, so like this is what it's like, you know, at the college level, the collegiate level. Um, so, again, I, like I said, from that standpoint, I knew I had a lot of work. Um, like I said, I wasn't, you know, an eye-popping you know, phenom, you know, just looking at looking at me uh, coming out of high school, just being, I think, around like 6'1", maybe 185 pounds. What do you remember about Chamberlain Field, other than the sloping end zone, which you used to your <laughs> advantage a couple of times, but what do you remember about Chamberlain Field? Um, I mean, it looked, uh, it, it looked historic, um, you know, just to be in the middle of, uh, of campus. Um, it, it obviously, it was a, an old field. Um, obviously, I mean, you know, the history here um, had been here for a while, I, I suppose. And so um, it was just one of those fields that, you know, just, you know, I had seen better high school fields, uh, but we didn't have the best of everything here. Um, I think one of the other things that I remember, too, is, you know, coming here, we were, we were wearing ponies, pony cleats, and those things were heavy. Uh, you know, the summers uh, here, you know, it's, it was hot. Uh, but, yeah, it was just one of those uh, historic uh, type of stadiums. Again, uh, photography-wise, uh, cinematography-wise, I mean, it would make the scene of a good movie, um, you know, especially at nighttime when the lights are on. Um, and obviously, like I said, you see, you know, uh, you know the fans going into the stadium. Um, you know, but that was, you know, one of the things that I, that I remember. You ever thought about when you step out on the field at Finley about man, what kind of numbers could I have had playing on this turf? Um, yes and no. Um, but the thing is, my ability wasn't going to change, you know, uh, at that time. But uh, you know, considering you know my skill set now, um, if I had had the skill set, you know, if it was a bit better, you know, then you know, obviously there's no telling. Um, but but yeah, I, I think at that time, I think. You know, nobody really, you know, thought too much about really the field conditions, this and that and the other. I do remember being in the locker room. Uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest locker room, but, you know, for me, you know, I just took advantage of the opportunities. I didn't really think too much about, you know, the surroundings, about what I didn't have. Mm -hmm. I just made do with what I did have. And, and, and number one, that was the opportunity. And everything, I think, kind of just took care of itself. You went from a unique college stadium to a unique stadium in the NFL. Tell me about playing at Candlestick. Was <laughs> I, that wind as bad as, as it looked or it used to look on TV? Well, I guess, again, you talk about historic. Uh, yeah, Candlestick. Um, I never, like I said, I never thought much about it. Um, again, you know, coming here to Chattanooga, like I said, I didn't really know much about Chattanooga. 
I really didn't know much about football in general. Um, I didn't follow football, um, you know, growing up, um, you know, NFL pro football wise. Um, growing up as a kid, I was always an Alabama fan. It was either Alabama or Auburn, and so I was, I was, I was, a, I was an Alabama fan, roll tide. Um, but going to, uh, you know, San Francisco for the first time, that was the farthest west I had ever been, um, except for in my dreams. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, 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 I mean, to come from a, a small kid, coming from a small town, going west and, and playing with, you know, the greatest, uh, you know, franchise, I think at that, one of the greatest franchises at that time in San Francisco and playing in that stadium. Um, it was uh, it was kind of surreal, you know. Obviously, we shared the stadium with the with the San Francisco Giants, and what I remember most is, uh, you know, during the transition of, of you know baseball, it kind of overlapped a little bit. Yeah. We had to play on the infield, right? Uh, and so that 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 wasn't that wasn't pleasant to play on because obviously we got uh, guys got got burns. I mean, to the to the white meat, uh, got skinned up, um, just just again getting tackled. Um, in the uh, in the infield uh, that was our football field, uh, but that was kind of like the the thing that I remember most. And then during certain times of the season, like I said, the uh, I guess it was certain levels of uh, the sea level or something where sometimes the grass was a little bit moist. Um, it was a little slick, you know, during during the night games or what have you. But um, yeah, it was a it was a historic stadium. I can't believe that they they tore it down. I, I something I, I I never thought would happen. What were you hearing leading up to that draft when you were selected? What kind of what kind of feedback were you getting in terms of where you may go and what rounds you might go in? Well, initially, I think the kind of where I ended up, they said late third, uh, maybe fourth round, and then um, I think uh, Buddy Green, um, like I said, my last year coach here. Um, he had some connections with uh, the Dale Champs uh, Super Bowl. I mean, not not Super Bowl, but Senior Bowl. Um, one of the guys that was uh, ahead of that thing, and uh, I end up getting to the to the Senior Bowl. I don't know how, but I end up getting to the Senior Bowl, and that's where again they take a close evaluations of uh, a lot of the draft picks uh, going into the draft. And uh, again, that was uh, a moment for me where again all the all the athletes and the kids that I saw. Uh, you know, on highlights that played in the big stadiums from like Penn State to Michigan, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Uh, I remember, you know, being on the practice field and, and seeing Amani Toomer, uh, Bobby Ingrams, um, a couple of other guys. And I just remember, again, when I saw them, I just I just saw their stadiums in my in my head. And I was like, man, these guys like I just thought you felt in watching them play in, in those big arenas. Uh, big stadiums, you felt like they were already on another level than you were, especially me coming from Chattanooga. So I already felt like or assumed that they were on the level of, you know, pro athletes at that time. Um, but once I, I got on the practice field and I saw them run run their routes, I'm like, yo, I'm like, they're not that much better than me. But for whatever reason, just watching them on TV, it seems like obviously you know, my speed hadn't it wasn't wasn't on their level at the time. It's like obviously, obviously playing at Power Five schools. Like obviously, you had to be tremendous athletes. Um, but it, it was an eye opener for me, um, and, and I was like, man, okay, I can probably play this. You know, I can probably play at the next level because I just saw them. Like, man, they don't run their routes that much better than I do, and I was, I wasn't that good at that time. But obviously, I had gotten better, 
And so, um, so yeah, that was what I remember uh, most about, you know, uh, the evaluation. And I think when you think about the, the Senior Bowl, that's where all the GMs, uh, they come, like I said, they take a close look at, um, you know, talent and in, in the, in the GMs and the scouts of different teams. And so for me, I think my stock rose with the, with the way that I practice. Um, for whatever reason, I always practice hard. Um, they saw that. Um, I tried to hone in on some of the things that obviously I needed to work on. That was obviously catching the ball um, and then just, you know, my practice habits. And I think they saw something um, in me uh, across the board. And so after leaving there, uh, speaking with my agent, uh, he basically said, yo, your stock, you know, and just reading clips and reading a little bit of the press, they said your stock rose. And so obviously talking to uh, my agent, um, he said, yo, you could possibly, you know, be a second rounder um, based on, you know, the way that, you know, they evaluated it. And so I was like, all right, cool. Um, but I didn't hang my hat on it. Um, I knew, uh, obviously speaking with him uh, throughout this process that, uh, like I said, the likelihood of uh, it, you know, me moving up and being a you know, second rounder, I don't know how, how, how likely that, 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 that would have been, but uh, it didn't happen. I ended up getting drafted late third round. Um, I did remember uh, talking to, I think, a receiver coach that was here, Frankie DeBus. Obviously, I had talked to some of the scouts and uh, my agent, and uh, obviously my agent had basically mentioned that the, the 49ers were looking at me uh, and the Green Bay Packers. Um, so um, closer to, to draft day, um, they basically said, you know, uh, the GM of uh, the Packers really liked me. So when draft day came, I thought I was going to possibly go to uh, to the Packers because it was of the third round, it was uh, two teams left. That was uh, uh, Green Bay and then San Francisco. So Green Bay was up first, and then the 49ers had their pick. And so uh, Green Bay pick came up. I don't know who they picked, but I didn't hear my name call. So I figured, okay, I must be going to uh, possibly this, uh, the fourth round because um, I already knew the 49ers, they had just drafted a receiver, J.J. Stokes, the year before uh, out of UCLA, and uh, obviously they had Jerry. So I figured, you know, maybe fourth round, I didn't know what team, and then the 49ers was on the clock, and then uh, uh, their their pick came, and they, and they chose me. And so obviously I had a big, uh, big smile uh, on my face. I remember uh, where I was. I was at Coach Edmonds uh, apartment who was coaching linebackers here. Uh, I had my mom, my cousin, uh, my sister and brother. Um, they were there and uh, I was I was ecstatic, you know. So and then like the next couple of days uh, or the next day, I was off to San Francisco. You called Jerry Rice the greatest receiver ever. Yes. Your relationship with him. Oh, I mean, he's cool. I can call him right now. You want me to? <laughs> I can call him. I got him on on speed dial. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you think about what he did and um, where I am statistically uh, behind him, dude, it's 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 crazy to think about because I never thought in a million years that I would have uh, statistically at at one point in time be second, third, and fourth uh, in a number of categories. It's a uh, it's humbling. When you got there to San Francisco, did you watch and say, I got to do what this guy does? Well, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did. I think every every kid, every every receiver did. I coach, you know, obviously said we had the best example, you know, uh, you know, to 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 be uh, in right there in our locker room. 
and uh, at our and at our disposal. And I didn't know much about the 49ers, I think, until my junior was my junior he, junior year here. Uh, like I told you, I and mean, as you know now, I'm a basketball fan, passion for it. I had, you know, I was over in McClellan playing an intramural uh, intramural basketball game, and I had come back to the dorms, and uh, some guys were watching Monday Night Football. And again, like I said, I didn't really watch football like that. And it wasn't until I came from, from the gym and I'm walking into the dorms and some guys, they, they were watching Monday Night Football and it was the 49ers versus somebody. And that was when I f first got a glimpse of Jerry Rice. And at the time, like I said, it didn't dawn on me, you know, that, you know, obviously, you know, I knew of him obviously watching the game, but I didn't know he was like the best receiver at that time. And then you fast forward, um, to my senior year and then um, to the draft, uh, there was a magazine that came out um, after I had done all my workouts and uh, the evaluations and this and that and the other and there was articles written up about me and my mom still has that, that magazine. Somebody had given it to me and I had gotten a couple and I gave her, gave them, gave them to her and uh, the title of, uh, of that article was Diamond in the Rough and it was a full big picture on him on one side and a full big picture of me on the other side. And that was before the draft, before I even got drafted. And so, uh, or, you know, or after that. So um, for me, you know, like I said, it, I just, yeah, you know, it's kind of just hard to put into words, you know, how I got, you know, to San Francisco and how things unfolded. But, you know, if I can be a, a, of any inspiration and be an aspiration for a lot of kids out there, it's like, you know, don't give up, you know, for a lot of parents that try to pigeonhole their kids to play in one sport, let your kids play, with, let them be a teenager, let them be kids, let them play whatever. Because uh, I never thought I would obviously play football, not beyond the collegiate level and at the level that I did. And then now to be considered, you know, one of the greatest, you know, receivers of all time behind, you know, Jerry Rice. And you think about the top three, I know you said top five, you know, when people mention it, but, you know, for me, it's, you know, Jerry, me, and Randy, you know, and two and three is interchangeable, you know, depending on who you talk to. Second most touchdowns in NFL history, right? Yeah. Which one sticks out? Uh, the touchdowns? Uh, probably, I guess I would say the Green Bay Packer game. Um, and actually, I'm third behind Randy. Randy has 156. I got 153. Um, I think Jerry has 207. Um, but I think obviously there's a num number of them that, that, that stand out. Um, but obviously I think uh, the one for me and I think for Niner, the Niner faithfuls mm -hmm. uh, is the Green Bay Packer game, uh, the wild card game where I didn't particularly have a, a good game in the beginning. And, uh, and I always tell people, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And it was frustrating. Uh, I wanted to, you know, I put so much work uh, during the offseason to get to that point to reach the status of someone like Jerry to be considered or in the eyes of your peers to be a, a, a good receiver, a great athlete. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to perform, you know, and then I had I just had to relax. Uh, I had a drop, you know, a couple of drops in the game and then uh, one was a touchdown. I had a I had a fumble. Um, it just it just wasn't a good day. <laughs> I had some I had some bad bad moments uh, that was leading into uh, a bad day. But overall, um, I had some you know some teammates uh, that that honestly that they 
kept encouraging me. Uh, Larry Kirksey, who I mentioned earlier in this piece, uh, he kept telling me, he's like, look, block out those plays, go to the next play. Um, concentrate, watch the ball into your hands, this and that and the other, and, uh, and, and just concentrate on the ball. And so, you know, I think a, a lot of kudos uh, goes to Steve Young because, you know, we're down um, going into uh, in, the four, in the fourth quarter, and, uh, you know, we got a couple of plays to, to, to take some shots to the end zone. And, again, we've already mentioned we got the greatest receiver in the game on one side, you got J.J. Stokes, and you got myself, and you know one of the you know best tight ends I played with, and Brent Jones, and we got to take shots to the end zone because time is running out, and you know we got to we, we got to score, and uh, to think about him after the day that I've had, um, you know, you, it's I don't know you, you can't the, the movie you can't even write a, a, a script it any better than this. I don't even if I don't even know if a writer would even script it to 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 have the quarterback throw it to the guy that's been screwing the game up, <laughs> you know, uh, early on, and you have you know obviously the greatest receiver out there on the same field, and it's equivalent to obviously like you said, you got Michael Jordan on the court, you got Kobe, you got Steph Curry, you got LeBron on the court, you got somebody has to get the ball, somebody's going to shoot that ball, and I I mean to obviously to uh, equate it to what I was going through, I mean you got Steve Young. I mean, he's played a number of years with, with Jerry. Uh, who are you going to throw the ball to? Uh, here I am, just a, a third-year guy in the league. You got J.J. Stokes. And so, obviously, he basically did what any quarterback should do um, is, you know, obviously read the defense, take what the defense gives you, uh, and live with the results. And that's what he did. I, I was open on the play before, literally ran the same exact route, and uh, he put it, honestly, where – Nobody could catch the ball but me, and I ended up coming up with it. And uh, uh, immediately when I when I caught the ball, I knew I caught it and and got hit. Everybody talks about the hit because it was a bang bang hit. Um, in certain instances, sometimes the ball gets dislodged, um, but I, I held I held on that 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 uh, that ball like it was the last thing on earth. And uh, I remember as soon as I hit the ground, I immediately thought about my grandmother who uh, obviously raised me and um, just always talked about having faith. And that's essentially throughout the course of the game, I just had to have faith. Um, when things never really go the way you want them to, uh, just keep thinking ahead and uh, having faith that, you know, you'll make the next one. And that's what happened. How much memorabilia do you have? from your career. Did you save a lot of things? Um, I did and unfortunately I got uh, some of it got uh, hung up in storage in, uh, in Atlanta and they got rid of it. Some people you know, took it from me but uh, other than that I mean I got some um, that, that, that I have saved um, fortunate, uh, fortunately um, but I had some stuff that, that the keepsakes that, that meant a lot to me. Um, um, even a Joe Montana signed jersey and things of that nature that got, kind of got uh, stolen, given away, or what have you. Um, but I have a few footballs. Uh, some of my first um, of my career, um, like first jersey and helmet and all those things, some of my first touchdown balls, uh, my mom my mom has them. Um, and so I don't really, like I said, when people come in the house, I don't really have a lot of football memorabilia up. You know, I just, it was just something that I did. You know, just, right. it's, 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 it's so, uh, so weird. It's just like when I came here, I didn't really think much of it, and then you know, voila. Um, but 
I just, I'm a very competitive person. No matter what it is, I'll compete uh, to the end. Um, when I look back on my career, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you've heard it, but I talk about my three Ds, and that's desire, dedication, and discipline. Um, when I came here, I had a desire, obviously, to play football, basketball, whatever it may have been. Um, but my full you know, NFL career, 15 years, uh, being nominated in 2016 for the first time, and I, re I didn't even realize and understand what the Hall of Fame was uh, until I got nominated and going back uh, to my condo um, after doing an interview with NFL Network, and I saw, you know, all the the, the guys in my class or the guys that were nominated um, at that time. They were going through the highlights of each and every one of them. So and then it got to me, and I was like, man, that's me. I did that, and and, and it it gave me an opportunity, uh, a nod to obviously um, to be in the Hall of Fame and. Again, when I, I just kind of like, I'm like, man, I just start started out like we did, you know, started high school, like then you go to college, and then obviously I'm in the pros, you know, and I start out eight years with the Niners, and I'm like, man, I did a lot, you know what I mean? You know, it means a lot, you know, obviously to my family, and again, for me, I didn't really understand the magnitude of what was about to happen, you know, being obviously being in, being inducted, obviously nominated, but obviously to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And so I sat on that couch. Was like, man, how how did how did all this happen? And number one, I had a desire. And then once I realized, even coming here and realized the the situation, the opportunity that I had, and I dedicated myself to obviously get bigger, faster, and stronger. The same when I got in the league, still was undersized. I still I still was raw. So I dedicated myself to becoming a better receiver. And then the discipline. I watched that. I watched the things that Jerry did. Um, and then I realized I couldn't be Jerry, you know, I mean, although he set the bar for myself and a number of other receivers that looked up to him. And then I'm like, okay, I need to take a little bit of what Jerry has done. I think we equally, I don't know, maybe equally, because he, he wanted to be a receiver, it seems like coming out of the, coming out of the wound. Uh, you know, you, see, you hear the stories, you know, of him, you know, throwing bricks and catching bricks and stuff with his dad. Um, that's what he wanted to do, it seems like, uh, at, at an early age. That never really crossed my mind. So, but when it comes to the work ethic, um, I had that, and so I don't know where it came from. Obviously, it had to be from my mom and my and my grandmother, um, basically being raised by two women, and uh, and yeah, I just started to, to to just get better and better and better. And when I saw I had the opportunity, I seized the moment, and. I dedicated myself to becoming that receiver that I end up becoming. Obviously, Mike, like I said, my two coaches, I, I can't th thank them enough and mention them enough is George Stewart and Larry Kirksey. And then you think about every sport. Every sport has good athletes. But throughout those sports, there's a handful of great ones. Everybody's not great. You see the ones that stick out. They're, they're, they're showing up every game, every, every year. And it's always something unique about them. It's discipline. When you talk about that mentality, uh, especially when you think about my favorite, you know, two of my favorite basketball players, um, or, or and three of them really, uh, are Michael Jordan, um, Kobe Bryant, and Steph Curry. Um, the discipline it, it, it takes to do what they do on the biggest stages. Um, you talk about that mentality. Um, I think I had the mumble mentality before it was before he actually coined it. But for me, I had that going into different games. I had a different mindset. 
Uh, I listened to everything. Uh, I prepared myself throughout the course of the week. I literally, I, whatever my coaches said that I could do or I could be, I started to believe it. And then once I got on the football field, I didn't see myself as that kid from a small school, Chattanooga, going against Power Five uh, school guys that were drafted before me. We were on the, the same playing field. And at the end of the day, somebody was going to have to show up. Who was going to get the better that day on the field playing that position? And obviously, we, I played with Jerry Rice. And so for me, um, once I saw that they traded away the greatest receiver of all time and they saw in me to fill those shoes, that spoke volumes to me. And I, again, it made me work even harder because I'm like, man, how is this happening? I just, they just traded away Jerry Rice. And they saw enough, the organization saw enough in those few years or so uh, playing with him that I could take over and basically him pass the torch to me and be able to do some of the same things. Um, ultimately, obviously, I wanted to win a Super Bowl in San Francisco. It didn't happen, um, but I did a lot of great things, obviously, with my work ethic. And so, uh, like I said, I, it doesn't happen often. Um, you know, like I said, a lot of people didn't even know that I played at Chattanooga when they hear about my career because they don't think about it. They just think that I went to a Power Five school. Um, I don't know how that is because I never showed up on any of, the, any of those uh, those stats or those programs. Um, but again, I'm so proud of just to be here, to be one of the first. Uh, again, the first of many, you know, going to college out of my family, uh, first to, to be a professional athlete, obviously, um, maybe the first Hall of Famer. Uh, I think, yeah, first Hall of Famer out of Chattanooga. Um, a lot of firsts for me, and I'm proud of that. And, um, you know, just proud to, to, to be able to come back to this campus. And, um, you know, I wish I could have gotten back sooner. Uh, but again, I was still, tr you know, tr training away, trying to get back in the league, play some more years. Um, and then it was hard to get back for homecoming while I played. Um, but I would have loved to have come back, you know, during that time, um, especially uh, just to see uh, and just to kind of just energize this city. And I think I've done that. I want to continue to do that. Um, and even me being here homecoming week, uh, like I said, you know, the, the mission is obviously to increase the attendance, uh, knowing where it was when I played, uh, understanding the great things that, you know, this universe, university has accomplished uh, since I left. Um, but knowing that I think that the university, these kids, they deserve a lot more um, than what I've been seeing here homecoming and attendance wise and even from the student body. So uh, it was good just to talk to the, the, the SGA yesterday, uh, the Student Government uh, Association and, and just kind of just, you know, bounce ideas off them and just to try to get them involved and try to make UTC, you know, just like some of these power five schools, you know, watching, you know, watching the games on Sunday, on Saturdays or what have you, seeing the stadiums packed. I want to see that here at Finley, Finley Stadium. I saw you yesterday uh, on social media. You're, you're talking to the Student Government Association. I think I saw you with the homecoming court, so I don't know, yeah, I don't know what that means for Saturday. I was a late entry, late <laughs> entry. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know how I'll fare out, but, uh, you know, just to kind of, you know, stiffen the competition up just a bit. I know Coach Wright's going to have you talk to these guys. What's your, what's your message when you, when you get the chance to talk to a Chattanooga football team? Man, just, just as I did, and just take advantage of the opportunity. Um, you only get one shot at this thing. You get four years, uh, depending on your situation. Now you have like f 
fifth and sixth, seven years guys are playing. I wish I had the luxury, uh, but if you have that, the opportunity to play that many times, you, you definitely need to take full advantage of it. But that's, that's, that's my message is to enjoy football, uh, enjoy college life. Um, again, you have some, some of the best coaches uh, this, I think this university uh, uh, can offer. Um, you can't get a better coach than somebody that has played the game. And uh, Rusty, like I said, to, to play with him. I mean, hell, he was better than me <laughs> when I was in when I was in college. Uh, but I, I was a late bloomer. Uh, so I tell those guys, like I said, if I'm any, uh, if I can be of any uh, inspiration, you know, to those guys, just you, you know, feel free to, uh, you know, ask me any questions. Like I said, I'm accessible to the guys. Um, I was out there this morning, running around at practice with them. Um, you know, just take full advantage of the opportunity because you never know when your last play may be. Um, and uh, like I said, just make the most of it. A couple more things and we'll get you out of here. Um, so I see Jamal Anderson this summer, the former Atlanta Falcon running back yes. who was involved yeah, yeah, in the, the Dirty Bird. Yeah, he was involved in the fan controlled football, football league, yes. which you were a part of down yes. in Atlanta. I asked Jamal, I said, well, how's T.O. doing? He said, well, he runs like he's 25 still. <laughs> yeah. Are you, obviously the desire to compete yeah. is still there. Right. Are, are you playing, are you still trying to, whether it's the CFL or the fan control football league or, or what's next for Tia? Well, I think I took advantage of the fan control football league. Uh, through an opportunity of, of a friend and he approached me with the idea of it and um, prior to that you know you've heard like I said I've been out of the game for a number of years and anytime that people see me running around or there's an opportunity if I tweet something about you know if I see during the season the receivers go down or what have you I've seen and I've, 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 I've been on teams where I've seen where guys haven't been playing in the league for a while and they're they bring them in for a workout or they end up being on the roster. Um, if you look at uh, Eric Weddle that played for the Rams, I mean, obviously it wasn't as long as I, I've been out, but again, he hadn't been on the field in two or three years. They brought him back in, played, ended up winning a Super Bowl. Um, but I just feel like with, with, with my skill set, my mentality, um, last year uh, an owner ran into me just like I ran into Jamal Anderson, and uh, he saw me, saw saw my the, the, my physical condition, and he asked me about, you know, he's like, man, you look like you can still play, and I told him I could. I said, given the opportunity, and this was an owner uh, of an NFL team, and so uh, we exchanged information. Um, the next morning, I'm in, uh, I'm actually, I'm in Vegas uh, watching my daughter uh, club volleyball um, tournament, and so the next morning, uh, I get a call and from an unknown number and it was it was the coach of that team and he asked me what did i want to do he's like i heard you run it you ran into the owner and i said yes sir i said well he looked and he looked at me he said i looked and looked like i was in shape and i could still play and this coach he's very familiar with with who i am and my work and uh, i told him i said i can still play coach i said you know obviously i had to get myself work myself into condition to play every down but i said to start out i said if you think about where I could be a valuable asset. I was like, yeah, you start off third down in red zone. Um, I've been running routes and, you know, continuously, you know, pretty much every year uh, since I, since I uh, last played. And then the FCF was an opportunity and you start to hear uh, analysts, commentators that heard, you know, the, the rumors of uh, what I had just mentioned. And they was like, oh, well, he's too old. He can't take a lick. He can't do this and that and the other. 
And so the FCS, you know, was an opportunity for people to see if I could actually, in fact, take a hit, you know, go, and I played eight weeks. I wasn't even supposed to play. Well, I was contracted to play only like four games and the rest was left up to me. Uh, but I ended up playing uh, eight weeks. And uh, from that standpoint, it showed the people that I was durable. I wasn't a carton of eggs. They had like because I'm 40 something that I was going to go out there and get hit and just <laughs> crumble on the field. So I showed that aspect of it. And then just a few weeks ago, uh, some of the guys from the FCF, uh, when we were at practice, we talked about who was fast, this and that and the other. And those guys are obviously younger. There are some fast guys. Um, and just because they're not in the National Football League, that doesn't mean they don't have talent. That doesn't mean they're not fast. And so some of these guys can actually play at the next level. And the speed is obviously equivalent you know, to, to be playing at the next level. So that talk came up and I ended up racing these guys and I ended up beating those guys. Some guys, you know, some, some people thought I was gonna run like four, six, four, seven. And I ran, you know, I ran on the four, five. Um, and some, some one of the clocks had me at a four three eight. And as I told people, it's like it may not be unofficial. If it's a four three eight, fine. But the fact that I'm forty eight and I'm running four four, that that's that that just speaks volumes uh, into number one who I am. And uh, if any owner or anybody out there, uh, you know, to take a chance or an opportunity, that should speak volumes as to what I'm made of and what I can do to contribute to a team. You were the first guy, and I've heard it from others since. I've heard about it from other guys. And people know you played in the Super Bowl with a broke leg. Right. All right, nine receptions, 100-plus yards. But I remember at that time hearing about, is it a hyperbaric chamber that, yeah. that you were, were sleeping in, I guess? Yeah, the hyperbaric chamber, obviously, it... Uh help oxygenate uh, yeah. your blood and it, you know, obviously it, it accelerates the healing process. Um, and so, yeah, I, some of the cutting edge things that we're uh, involved with, a lot of athletes uh, to obviously optimize your performance. Um, you know, I was on, I was on, the, on the, the, the cutting edge of that. I was at the forefront of that. Uh, I just happened to be fortunate enough to have uh, a guy in my trainer, Buddy Prim, out of Atlanta, that basically introduced me to different people, and obviously these things obviously aided in, uh, you know, my performance and really uh, my sustainability uh, throughout the, you know, my 15 years playing in the National Football League. I mean, even now you got guys that are investing millions and thousands and millions of dollars um, into who they are as athletes. And I think, you know, the most notable person of that is LeBron James. And so for me, those are some of the things that I was receptive to, listening to those guys that are around me, because I didn't know everything. Um, but I took in, um, you know, I listened, and if it was a way for me to get better um, um, without any harm to my body or anything like that, um, I, I took a stab at it. And so um, hyperbaric chamber was one of those things that I, that, that, that came across. Um, in conversation when, you know, obviously to help recover, mm -hmm. um, you know, during the off season, things of that nature. Um, and so obviously when I had, when I sustained the injury, um, that was one of the things that obviously they said that obviously would help, you know, aid in the, the acceleration of the healing process. So, um, yep, I, I slept in that thing, you know, every, every night uh, prior to the Super Bowl. And then throughout the course of the season, um, I did it as well. You're running a 4.38. You're healthy, right? Do you have any lingering issues? Well, you know, wear and tear. You know, obviously, it might be, you know, back back tightness, things of that nature. Um, but obviously, like I said, to, to, to run as fast as I did, like I said, 
to say it was four three eight, it sounds great, um, but honestly, I know I, it, it was a it was four four something. Um, but who knows? Like I said, uh, you know, laser time and hand clock time obviously is, is, is different. Um, but obviously, to keep myself in condition to to to, to move like that, um, again, it, it, it speaks volume and says a lot about you know what I've been doing to obviously to maintain, uh, keep myself healthy, and being a, and and to be able to run around. I mean, throughout uh, this time off, like I said, I play in a number of basketball leagues in in Los Angeles. I play in a number of uh, co-ed and and men's softball leagues. Um, and, and I need my wheels, I need my legs, and so, uh, and I get body maintenance as well. And so obviously becoming knowledgeable uh, about nutrition, about, uh, about recovery, um, about injuries and things of that nature, I've been able to really partner with uh, a couple of uh, rehab, uh, uh, physical therapy clinics as well. So I'm partnered with uh, Repair Sports Institute in Huntington Beach. Um, and everywhere that I go, like I said, I always try to find somewhere where I can uh, maintain where there's getting massages, um, obviously just, you know, maintaining or if any injuries or any nagging injuries come up, just being on top of it to, to, to be able to, to, to play. Um, even with my little kids, uh, just to run around, um, I got to be healthy to do all of that. We can't do this and I'll not ask you about the worst loss you suffered as a competitor. And if you if you need a minute to collect yourself before you talk about it, it's it's okay. Um, how did you lose on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> well, I would have to say collectively, Dancing with the Stars, I progressed uh, as I was on that show. Um, my my partner Cheryl Burke, she'll, she she's she's uh, mentioned this before. Uh, she can attest to this. She didn't think I was going to make it past, you know, week three, um, and uh, that's because I had no, really no, ballroom experience, none whatsoever. Now I'm black. I can dance. You know what I mean? But when it comes to ballroom and choreo uh, choreography and choreographed uh, dancing, things of that nature, I hadn't done any of that. So it was my competitive nature that I mentioned and just the mentality just to get through that got me to week eight. Um, I would have progressed to probably be uh, in contention to the finals. And I honestly, I probably wouldn't have beat, beaten um, uh, Jordan Fisher, um, this guy's amazing talent. So I probably would have been uh, in contention in the finals, but during this particular season that I danced on, it was the 25th season, and they started tinkering with the season, and this was where they had, where we had to do two dances in a week. They had never done that before, and then they had, they implemented uh, two team dances. And so we ended up losing in the team dance. We came in second, and that affected our individual scores. So I progressed, so I probably would have gotten to the finals, but because we lost in the team dance, which affected our individual scores as, as, a, as, as, a, as, a, as a couple dance, me and uh, Cheryl, so my scores got lowered a bit and I just missed the finals, getting into the finals. So I tell you, I didn't really lose, I think just by default in there a little bit. You sound yeah. like a guy that'd like another shot at it. No, that's <laughs> what you're hearing wrong. <laughs> Uh, no, I love Dancing with the Stars. I mean, he's, uh, some amazing friends. I still keep in touch with some of the staff. But that was probably, I ain't going to tell you, like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. Between that and swimming, the swimming competition that I did at one point in time, 
That dancing was no joke. I lost about eight to 10 pounds. We practiced every day, five to six hours a day. I mean, it was literally, I woke up and it was like I was back on the dance floor. It was really no time off. We had to promote the show, all types of stuff. And it was mentally, not, not, not only physically, but it was mentally challenging and taxing because I had to learn the dances and I had to do it in a, in a short, <laughs> short period of time. Like I literally had to learn the dances by the end of the week. That was the first couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden they throw a wrinkle in and they say, you got to learn two dances in a week. So I was, I was exhausted. I've only heard rumor, so I got to hear it from you. How good of a bowler are you? I'm decent. You know, I'm, I'm better. I've heard than, you're better than decent. I'm better than the average, you know. And, again, that's something, like I said, I just I picked up. Um, and Norm Duke, uh, who's a good friend of mine, um, one of the greatest, you know, uh, professional bowlers, um, I picked it up, you know, during a charity event, my, I think my rookie year. Uh, in San Francisco, and Norm Duke happened to be at that uh, that charity event, and you know I was just like everybody else that likes to go to the bowling alleys. I'm not a big drinker, but everybody likes to go have fun and just throw, just chunk the ball down there and try to you know see the pins go everywhere. And you're not going to be a great bowler that way. So I saw Norm bowl, and I'm like, man, this is a he's really nice and it was skillful and just to see the trajectory of the balls like you know how it goes outside in or depending on a bowler if you go you're a straight down the lane I mean type of bowler and so I got some tips from him the next week I ended up going buying about like three or four balls went to the bowling alley and I thought I was gonna really be a great bowler because then the following week uh, some teammates and uh, of mine at the time we met up at bowling alley where we did the tournament and I almost bowled a perfect game. I got to like three strikes, and then there was four strikes, then five, then six, and everybody that was in the in the bowling alley, they start just slowly coming over as I was bowling strikes. And I got closer to seven strikes, then eight strikes, and then, like I said, I, I had a crowd of people, and then I had like nine, ten. Like, I almost bowled a perfect game, but I ended up bowling a 288. It's so not bad. It, it, it was it's uh, not bad. it was a good feeling, and so I just got, I, I got the bug, you know. People, I think people want me to get the the golf bug, kind of how I got the bowling bug, but it's not working out the it's, same. It's not happening. It's not happening. It's not happening. Uh, where's the Hall of Fame jacket? Uh, it's in. Um, oh, it's in uh, it's in my house in uh, in Florida. You ever wear it? Yes, I've worn it to a few events. Actually, uh, the most recent, I just uh, went to the induction of Bryant Young, uh, our defensive tackle from San Francisco 49ers, uh, who played college ball at Notre Dame. And um, just out of my respect for him, and I think everybody knows that I hadn't been to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, obviously, I did my ceremony here in Chattanooga. And uh, like I said, that's the only reason I went, is just because of who he is as a person. Um, and, and what he meant to me, just me as a rookie, um, you know, obviously uh, growing up and uh, watching his approach to the game. And uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that he hadn't gotten nominated sooner um, just with who I know who he is and his impact and just, 
you know, just the comparisons of, of talent and skill set uh, of his position. I felt, honestly, he probably should have been in um, some years ago. And, and, it, and it's, it's so crazy that, you know, I got in, you know, before he got in and, you know, where I came from, you know, just the, 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 just the evolution of, of, of skill set and, and how I got to be there, you know what I mean? Just watching those guys because I felt like, you know, he was obviously a tremendous athlete and one of the greatest to play his position. So um, I told him if he, once I heard he had gotten nominated, uh, some of the PR from the 49ers um, from when we played, uh, they texted me and told me about the nomination and, and um, I thought about it instantly. Um, and I said, man, if I go, if I go back, if I ever go back, it will be because of BY. And uh, so I, I did that, and I, I gave him my word that I would show up. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good time. I'm glad to uh, to have been in attendance and uh, see him uh, with his enshrinement. Did you go see your bust? I did not. Do you plan to? Um, only if my kids or my family want to go. Um, obviously, there's been some changes with. Uh, you know, the president of the Hall of Fame and things of that nature. So they're trying to do some things differently, but my feelings haven't changed um, based on the number of years that I felt like I, I, I shouldn't have had to wait um, to get in based on statistically where I was. And uh, um, so, yeah, my feelings haven't changed. I mean, if we do have each, each, uh, each uh, athlete, we do get uh, a replica of the bus and that's, that's at home and, and uh, in LA and I see it every day. What are you doing Saturday? I will be right here Saturday rooting on the mocks to beat the North Alabama. I think they're the Lions. They are. I'll be right here in attendance watching them kick butt. Thank you for coming by. Absolutely. TO's in town for homecoming. Make sure you find yourself at Finley Stadium on Saturday as the Mocs will take on North Alabama for homecoming. Kickoff is set for 6 o'clock. TO's going to be there. You need to be there as well. Thanks to our producer, Tate Johnson, for putting this all together and bringing it to you each and every week. I'm Chris Goforth, and I'm inviting you to join us again next week here for another edition of Mox on the Mic. Until then, we'll see you Saturday at Finley Stadium. So long and go Mox. Thanks for listening to Mox on the Mic. Please remember to rate, subscribe, and review. And we'll see you again soon.